The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. Start of a brand new week. Hopefully you had a nice weekend. I know my colleague Dominic Carter mentioned this last hour, but I think it bears repeating. A cop killer paroled after nearly 40 years in prison has been busted four times in the past 12 months. Now, here was someone who was sprung from prison three times and now is demanding his freedom yet again which the family members and the police union is saying is a total slap in the face to the dead officer's family. This is Bruce Lorick, 66 years old, still a relatively young man. He murdered NYPD officer Joseph Keegan on June 19th of 1980, shooting him in the head with the cop's gun when he tried to stop him for jumping a turnstile inside the Columbus Circle subway station on the Upper West Side. Lorick was sentenced to 25 years to life for second-degree murder, and he was in prison until he was released on lifetime parole in April of 2021. Eight months later, December of 2022, he was arrested for strangulation. Then, six months after that, he was picked up for criminal contempt in June of 2023. The arrests were sealed, so we really don't have any other details about this. On November 18th, he was busted for stealing $285 worth of shrimp, chicken, Jimmy Dean frozen meals, and other items from a Target on the Upper East Side. So... I just am blown away by this. So he was sprung on November 26th after a bail recognizance hearing. And less than a month later, on December 22nd, he was arrested again for using and possessing cocaine, failing to notify parole of a change in program status, and failing to complete inpatient substance abuse treatment. This time, he was remanded to Rikers. He could soon be back on the street after his legal aid society attorneys sued in Bronx Supreme Court on December December 29th to get him sprung again. Now, look, I think if you've listened to me for any length of time, you know I'm not exactly the lock them up and throw away the key type. I'm a big believer in second chances. I'm a big believer that we should get everybody out of prison that can be gotten out of prison that's not a threat to society. This guy is a one-man crime wave. This man is the reason that prisons exist. How could he not only get a new lease on life? First of all, if you ever got out of prison for killing a cop, wouldn't you lead a almost a monastic existence? Wouldn't you live like a monk? Make sure you don't even jaywalk? This guy has not only squandered his second chance, he squandered his second, third, fourth, fifth chance. If this guy's let out of jail again, it tells you everything you need to know about the criminal justice system or lack thereof in New York. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. Well, if you have taken any of the Hudson River crossings into Manhattan, you already know what I am about to tell you. The automatic inflation-based toll adjustment at all Port Authority of New York and New Jersey Bridges and Tunnels 
took effect yesterday. According to the Port Authority, the toll adjustment is of 63 cents. The tolls are all one way, and the adjustments will bring Port Authority tolls similar to round-trip tolls of other regional systems. The bridge and toll hike is not the only one that the Port Authority has approved. On March 3rd, air train rail systems will see their own increase of a quarter. I just hate this. I recognize 63 cents is not a make-or-break situation. Is it me, or does it feel like we're being nickel and dimed to death? When I saw this motorist, I really agreed with what she had to say. I think this was from uh, Channel 7. It's crazy. Everything is so expensive nowadays. I can't afford it. It's crazy. Well said. Well, someone that I don't know if they're paying the toll, but if we could get them to start kicking in, maybe we could solve some of the Port Authority's fiscal problems. New York City registered 30 UFO sightings with the National UFO Reporting Center last year. That is up 7% from the 28 flying saucers seen in 2022 and 10% from the 27 seen in 2021. For instance, there was a pill-shaped object spotted on October 20 over McGuire Fields. That was one of the 12 UFOs reported in Brooklyn, which led the city to some interesting sightings. It was an egg-shaped UFO at the center of a July 30th close encounter in Bay Ridge that was captured on two videos, and the videos do look pretty interesting. The poster and his mom were taking a walk when they started to see a bright light moving differently than any other flying object or airplane. There was another sighting in Bedford-Stuyvesant. A poster lodged a report on June 13th of a freely rotating tic-tac-shaped metallic reflective object that suddenly disappeared. And if you go and look, and I'm going to link to this on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash Moranofan, the poster included a 70-second clip. And the poster said, I looked away for 5 to 10 seconds, and it was gone. It would have had to have moved hundreds of miles per hour to disappear from my field of view in the time that I looked away. So I don't know what this is about. Uh, Manhattan had nine extraterrestrial experiences followed by Staten Island with five. I don't know if this is more people being aware of what they're seeing, more people doing things like stargazing and looking for things like this, or if it's a reflection of increased activity. And if it is increased activity, I certainly don't know what it is, but it is interesting. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. In the state of New Jersey, something that was incredibly common is now incredibly rare and is getting even more rare. One of the things that you may have missed was the retirement of New Jersey Democratic State Senator Nicholas Sacco, who left the legislature today. He leaves the legislature today. Today's his last day. Now, what that means is that leaves only three officials that have been grandfathered in under a 2007 ban on double dipping. There's two senators, Brian Stack and Paul Sarlo, and there's Assemblyman Gary Scheer. They're the only legislators that are still allowed to hold local seats in addition to their legislative posts. Brian Stack and Paul Sarlo are mayors, and I believe Gary Scheer is a mayor of a town in uh, Passaic County as well, but it doesn't matter. Years ago, 
every member of the state legislature had multiple jobs. You were the state senator, but you were also the county clerk. You were the state assemblyman, but you were also the mayor. You were in the state legislature, but you were also in the city council. And people said that this invited a lot of corruption. They said that it invited a lot of conflict of interest. And I think that they're probably right. They probably did. You remember uh, Sharp James, when he was mayor of Newark, almost the entire time that he was mayor, he also served in the state Senate. The people that were for this said this allowed local mayors to have more of an impact than if they were just simply a mayor. If they could go to the state Senate and advocate for their city's budgetary needs, it makes it something of a bigger deal. I have to tell you, I think that corruption in New Jersey politics is still absolutely pervasive. There's still a lot of self-dealing. And I'm conflicted about this because I think it is a conflict of interest to be both the state senator and the mayor. However, I do want the voters to have that ability to vote for themselves and make the determination for themselves as to whether or not they think it's a big deal. So I'm kind of of two minds about this, but there will be nobody left because as of now, we're down to only three legislators. Pretty soon there will be zero. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. By now, you've probably heard not only about Maine and Colorado and their attempts to take President Trump off the ballot for president, but other states trying to do the same thing. Well, New York is actually trying to do the same thing. I don't see this going anywhere, but there are some New York City council members that are joining the push to get former President Trump struck from the Republican primary ballot. They have sent a letter to the state board of elections urging the board to exclude Trump, while some have argued that doing so would unnecessarily inflame conservative voters in a key year for New York Democrats. City council members stress that Trump is a threat, the foundational ideals of democracy. While other states have begun similar movements to get Trump off the ballot, New York's lawmakers are still waiting on a decision from the state board of elections about whether he will appear. Now, of course, he will. The board of elections is an administerial agency. They don't make decisions like this. Once the board of elections decides, there could be an official challenge to his likely GOP nomination. Jerry Goldfeder, who's a veteran election attorney, said that if someone lodges an official complaint to Trump's nomination, the board of elections will have no choice but to act. Yeah, I mean, they can act. But this is a group that is evenly divided between Democrats and Republicans. So there's not going to be any discussion about actually removing him from the ballot. I mean, it's just ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous. And if you look at the amicus brief that was filed by the Supreme Court by 25 states, they're making a lot of interesting arguments that have not been made by other states. Now, the brief's main point is that Congress, not state courts or in the case of Maine, the secretary of state or the board of elections in the case of New York, 
Congress is responsible for determining whether an individual is an insurrectionist. It says that if Trump is an insurrectionist because of his actions on the days leading up to and including January 6th, then on January 6th, 2021, he should have immediately ceased to be president. Section 3 says insurrectionists cannot hold the office. It says nothing about elections. So logically... If Trump became an insurrectionist no later than January 6th, 2021, at that point, he could not legally continue to serve as president. And Pence should have been president between January 6th and January 20th. Only Congress could have made that decision. Of course, this is just a small part of the brief. The amount of effort and time and energy that these Democratic partisans are putting into trying to get Trump off the ballot is staggering. Why not just make your case to the voters about why Trump would not be a good president? Beam me up. To be continued.